the goddamn mining industry, like fuck. You know, this is your chance to to stand up and be vocal about something that helps you with your revenue line. They are going to be staring at the abyss with regards to their automotive industries. And I know that sounds a bit like hyperbole and, and maybe a bit hyperventilative, but I truly believe it's coming. And um, that is going to bring governments to action. Yes, being, being energy dependent upon what is what is and has been for a very long time an adversarial actor is like staggering. I mean, that, that is fucking mind blowing that it even ever happened. You know, China is different. It's not just open market. It's, a, it's centrally controlled. They can have foresight. They can, they've been subsidizing all this shit for a long time, effectively. Right, hey, money miners. Here we go. Part two of the rusty Russell Delfroy uh, metals bifurcation chat. Metal price bifurcation. Hope you go back, listen to part one if you haven't listened to it already. Mate, part two, we expand on part one. It was one interview. We just cut the bloody thing because it was long. Great, great chat. Fucking knows his shit, old Rusty. <laughs> oh, I love when he gets on a roll. It gets very philosophical about topics, uh, which is wicked because, yeah, mm. his brain just is, um, clearly has a has a pretty intriguing way of um of articulating things and I think this the second part was my favorite part of the discussion Matty yeah it's it, re- it really heated up especially when it really gets into the competitive advantage that China have developed that has sort of been western nations like ourselves would be like oh we'll just down tr- downstream processing too too costly too environmentally damaged we'll just send that overseas but due to China taking all that on they've now developed a competitive advantage that is going to see them take control of things like the EV industry. It sounds way better when he says it, Matty. So. Did it sound all right when I said it? <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it sounded good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's no. Then, yeah, we, we talk about plenty more than that. But And Rusty just said that's so I regurgitated it. <laughs> Mate, right, let's uh, sponsors for this episode, our great friends at K-Drill. Talk about another company that's uh, got a competitive advantage mm, in that, RC drilling yeah. and exploration. I think um, – I think Ryan can probably drill all the way to China, which is uh, where where there is a bit of a stranglehold Remember on the that EV saying battery. When you're a crook, was, <laughs> when you're, they used to say you're going to dig, if you dig keep, a hole to keep, China, keep digging a hole, you'll end up in China. Yeah. Ryan O'Sullivan can drill a hole with his bare hands, RC, all the way to China. Yeah, if he will make that little uh, little wives' tale come true. Yeah. And if you don't want to drill to China, if you want to just drill a portion of that distance to find a bit of ore, um, mate, K-Drill are your guys, RC drilling experts. <laughs> well, you don't need to drill all the way to China because all of the minerals are in the Earth's crust. Mm. But if you wanted to, you could he, with Ryan. <laughs> ex- exactly. He could, uh, mate, that, and that could be – if he drilled all the way to China, reamed it out, it could be an alternative shipping mechanism to get your lithium over there. <laughs> like just nothing is out of the hands of uh, – K-Drill's capabilities, you'd say. So, K-Drill, thanks for all your support. Hit them up. Uh, as I said, mate, it, it really helps us if you just ring these guys and just say, heard about you on Money and Mine. Love to talk to you about a contract. <laughs> <laughs> Beauty, let's get into part two with Rusty Russell Delroy. Here we go. How did we get here, Rusty? Because we we wanted to offload the environmental externality. Yep. 
I'm all proud of that. Yeah. And as a result, we lost competitive advantage mm-hmm. at every step, which yep. you talk about the confluence of factors all coming together. Yep. It's acceptance of, oh, man, I'll try and choose my words carefully here. This is, mate, this is the probably the least legal risk. No, uh, I'm not going to get sued by anyone, but, but I, I just wanted to come across, right? It's acceptance of globalization. And I don't want to say that in like, oh, you know, we should never have globalized. There's so many benefits to globalization. And, you know, when you do economics or whatever at uni, the first course, you know, you learn all the, the maths on it and it, it makes hmm. sense, right? But if you're competing with a jurisdiction like China, you know, China is different. It's not just open market. It's, a, it's centrally controlled. They can have foresight. They can, they've been subsidizing all this shit for a long time effectively, right? Whether it's like lower environmental standards or, or, or provision of zero cost capital, there's a variety of ways to create a subsidy. And so they've been doing it a long time and they've really eked out massive industries and we've happily handed it off because it makes us feel all good about things domestically. I think that that raw acceptance of globalization, that the consumer invariably is always price driven, and that governments have just said, well, fuck, you know, that's the that's the that's the way of the world. Right? We let things occur where they're most competitive, and that's how it all works, and we all win. And so that's how you shift dependencies. And that's how competitive advantage is born in certain areas. And so we've allowed that to happen and they've built true competitive advantage. And like we were saying earlier, this, this I think, kind of really lazy and um, oh, self-serving sort of view that, oh, they just copy us and they've cheated and it's fucking, get, you know, get past that. It's, it's fucking bullshit. They're they're innovating these guys are innovating at a rate of knots so you know i you know i took a as, a, as an example i took a ride in a byd the other day it was i it was as good or better than a tesla it was so good so yeah we need to be honest about where that's at we've been asleep collectively whether it be the automotive manufacturers the government itself and realistically what does it boil down to it's a lack of supply chain scrutiny it's a lack of discipline around saying, hey, that's not acceptable. And so what happens is we have a framework for things that are done here domestically and a standard that we all agree we, we constantly want higher, which I agree with, right? I want mines. I'm not proud of what's out the back of Cambauda or Calgul. I'm not, as an industry participant, it's not good enough. Let's get that fucking better, right? So I want those standards lifted too. But we have had this race to the bottom on cost and it's directly a result of a lack of supply chain scrutiny and that sits at government and industry not saying enough. The consumer can never be blamed. I, I, I'm adamant you can't, you know, there will be times when the consumer pays attention to something. There's lots of great NGOs that highlight things like child labour in the Congo, which are really serious issues. And so there's, I think there's definitely much more better um, Awareness from corporates around their their social and environmental responsibilities, but it's it's coming late, and and it needs government support, and the industry needs to drive that conversation with government to say, hey, you need mechanisms for for policing these products that come into our 
you know, across our borders, finished product, refined product, whatever it is, we need providence. We need a system of understanding providence. And it's been, it's way overdue. Like all sorts of naughty countries, nefarious countries, you know, we've been, they, they move shit around the planet to avoid sanctions that, you know, there's all sorts of problems associated with that too. And on top of all of the problems, the goddamn mining industry, like, fuck, you know, this is your chance to, to stand up and be vocal about something that helps you with your revenue line. So whether you get a premium price for product done the right way or you knock out product done the wrong way to a homogenized market, does that make sense? So you keep a singular market, you don't pay a premium for, 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 the, for the, the green tick product. But you knock out supply from from um, you know sources that don't meet those standards. Either or, uh, you you will lift the price received for what you're producing, and that's where we all need to get to. And fuck mining companies, like why why would you not be yelling and screaming about this? Like it's your one chance to to have an impact on your revenue line. You know, I I just think there's like a culture of just acceptance. Oh, it's too hard. It's too complicated. That's not what we do. We're commodity producers. You know, that's commodities. It's been like that for hundreds of years. So, but, just I think, I think, but I think it sounds impossible in its current state at the moment. As you said, JD, how much percent of majority of processing, downstream processing, is in China? Yeah, in, across right, every metal right now. So, like, how is it like a trader is never going to pay a premium for a ESG friendly piece of nickel or lithium or cobalt because the Chinese are going to buy it off and like, no, we just want the cheapest stuff. We don't give a fuck. And if people, like, if people want to get a bit of a history of what their what their sort of mindset of the commodity traders is and where they've come from, they should read the the World for Sale. It's an incredible book. Goes through the history of like Glencore, Mark Rich AG, where they came from, Trafigura, and the mindset is just very different. Mm. There's something else I wanted to touch on, and I think it really sort of goes to show where we are right now, and it's the. Uh, EU Critical Raw Materials Act and what their sort of targets are. Mm-hmm. So they want 10% of the EU's annual consumption to come from extraction within the EU. Like 10%. So, so yeah, I think this is by 2030. By 2030, that's yep. right. Yeah. Yep. 40% of annual consumption for processing to be done within the EU. Yeah. And 15% of uh, consumption to come from recycling. So I think those numbers, they just highlight the the bloody low base they're starting from so so, yeah just correct so just think about it these are ambitions yeah right let's call these like stretch targets right now like i i I think they're going to put this they've accelerated putting this through um and and ratifying it has accelerated accelerated it's mind-boggling yeah it's supposed to be q2 next year i think it's going to drop um q4 um turin uh these are ambitions Right. These aren't like, I mean, think about those numbers. So let's start with the first one. 10% of what, so the products that you internally consume, like, so when you're creating something, the raw materials that you use, 10% of what you use is going to be sourced domestically. It's an astoundingly low 10%, number. 10%. That's a, and that's a fucking stretch target. That's an ambitious target. <laughs> that gives you a sense of, how far behind they truly are. And, you know, I think there's been a lot of arrogance out of the West, out of 
you know, North America and Europe, and and I and I, I know people might from those places who I I love and respect might get upset with that sort of a, a word, but I I really think there is and has been an arrogance around mining is dirty, mining's for for other countries. Yeah, yeah. and there's there's an awful example. It leaves you really exposed, and it happened with what happened in Russia when you cut yourself off from natural gas and all these sorts of things and it affects all the people in the the working class part parts of the world in Europe there sorry that need the cheap energy for the manufacturing base in the Rhine Valley for example in Germany where a lot of the cars and components of cars yeah. come from it it's just another analogy of leaving yourself very exposed to another party who you vocally don't agree with on a lot of things so uh, it's kind yeah, of fascinating I, mean, I, I reckon that's like the the best sort of case in point of of the 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 thinking over the last 20 30 years and the arrogance around some of the decision making and and you know yes being being energy dependent upon what is what is and has been for a very long time an adversarial actor is like staggering mm. i mean that that is fucking mind blowing that it even ever happened and but it did and and so you know, I think there's there's certainly like a, a really keen awareness now, and that's the first stage in this process. You must be aware in order to then, you know, change. Um, and there's there's definitely awareness. So we're seeing lots of good, you know, um, uh, analysis and policy documents and the stuff out of the EU, and and I think then it's flowing into action. Certainly in the US, I think we'll see more action in the EU, but they really need a hurry. Like they they're and, and why we say the tip of the spear here is the EV sector is it is coming now. So you don't like this isn't something you can think about for a while and get right over the next few years and, you know, we're going to get 10% by 2030. Mm. Like, wow. Like the, the problem for them is landing right now. It is, it is coming and it's coming in a big way and it's coming in, in the form of Chinese vehicle supplies. And so I think, I think we're going to see a lot more action in a hurry. And that'll be twofold. It'll be both. I think the initial place to go, they're going to be left with no choice. They're going to have to protect. So you're going to see a lot more protectionism. We're going to see World Trade, uh, uh, what is the third-party arbitrary body that uh, um, oversees w it all? WTO. WTO. Yep. A whole bunch of fucking applications to that and shit fights and, and all the mm -hmm. rest of it. Um, but a, I, I think that's going to have to be the first protocol. And there's a there's a sort of second order effect, which is really fascinating to think about. Now that the the West scales up these um, these acts legislation, they're now competing with one another. The Americans are now competing with the Europeans to get that say ten percent of processing in their country now. Yep. So a lot of the uh, say, for example, manufacturers in Europe are thinking, hang on. I might do it in in America, still the West, instead of in Europe. But that's from a GDP point of view from the EU, still just as bad and vice versa. Yeah. So they're now competing with one yeah. another, which isn't I, ideal. Yeah, I think over the last six months we've seen lots of pushback from from EU, you know, some some complaining about the, the policy setting out of the US with regards to the IRA. Yeah. I think the US have said, hey, guys, we're going this way, right? So like- there, you know, there is bipartisan agreement around the geostrategic issues with regards to China. 
So it doesn't matter which side of the aisle holds power in the US, it's happening. Mm. And I think the EU have been, you know, the EU is such a mess of countries and opinions and vested interests. You know, they've been sort of bumbling around with a, oh, we don't really like it. And yes, you know, now you're competing with us and that's not fair. And all of that is about to go away. Like all of that ifing and budding is about to be like completely forgotten because once those vehicles drop on their doorstep, holy shit. Like the, you know, the, the numbers you were talking about in terms of employment and GDP and, and the like, they are going to be staring at the abyss with regards to their automotive industries. And I know that sounds a bit like hyperbole and, and maybe a bit hyperventilative, but I truly believe it's coming. And um, that is going to bring governments to action. So even if they started out not liking, I think the US have had actually better foresight, maybe for different reasons. Maybe it's for both. Maybe it's a, you know, it's a coalescence of reasons. So. You know, automotive industries they want to protect, geostrategic issues around supply chain dependency, decarbonisation and ESG standards. These are all things that coalesce into reshoring and doing things the right way. Rusty, the mechanism you talk about to address this confluence of issues is a price mechanism yes. on commodities, yep. which are by definition fungible and homogenous mm -hmm. isn't that crazy to try and differentiate price on something which is inherently the same no matter uh, where yeah, you get it uh, i mean from a characteristic yes it, it is it, it it is and um and like i said the the culture and the everybody's like bhp aren't in this mindset rio aren't in this none of these guys are in this mindset sort of fuck around with things on the fringes, but they aren't out there having the conversations they should be. And so I think there's like inertia and just culture in, in this sector that we've all sort of been, you know, just used to. Um, and so those things, that, that they need to shift. What is going to shift them? I think government have to play a big role in shifting that. Pro providence and like traceability of minerals and, and, and or raw materials has been a massive issue for a very long period of time. It needs to be addressed. We need to spend real time and effort. Like the size of the price is fucking big. Like you go add a premium to some of the volumes of material these guys produce in, you know, in the right way, it's, why not get after it? Like the economic incentive is there if you get it right. So – and why the fuck are mining companies just handing all this power and control and economic benefit to, you know, effectively intermediaries like Glencore and Traffies and why? Why the fuck are you doing that? Trev, <laughs> I don't want to steal your thunder, but you came up with a great example <laughs> earlier today. And there's a, there's a key distinction with this it's one. Pretty it's, much is steel in your heart, thunder, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> it's a, um, a consumer-facing product, but it is a commodity, and we mm. mentioned it earlier, and there's a few other sort of things, but- Yeah, we're trying <laughs> to think of, like, in history, how many times have we, collectively, <coughs> as society, decided to pay a different amount for the same product? Yeah. And we're like, eggs. 
Eggs. I was thinking hooteroo hats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when we auction them. Um, it, you know, it's different because it's a consumption product. We buy it, we eat it, we consume it. We care about the supply chain. We don't so much with metals because they're an input in the ultimate product that we end up buying, not the product we buy. And yeah. we also don't eat it. <laughs> yeah, uh, complicates things. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think it's a good example. Um, that's been an interesting one where the consumer has probably driven that change. 100%. And, and I would say- And you're saying I, the consumer can't generate I, this change? Yeah, I mean, I would say, unfortunately, it's the exception, not the norm. And, and I think it is a, a unique example in that it's a finished product and, it's, and it's, you eat it. So, you know, there's a, I, I, and it's grabbed the attention of consumers for very good reasons because, you know, it's horrific, what, what battery hens and all the rest of it. But you'd have to price phones, do you? You'd have to have a, a green iPhone and a uh, dirty iPhone. Well, consumers were willing to pay more uh, for free. And that's range. what I mean. So, so for, would you, as a consumer, be willing to pay more for? Well, that, well, that's that's well, what it would have to happen. I, supply. I would love demand. to see a stat, right? I reckon yeah. the, the best place to go and measure this would be like the Qantas box tick. You know, you can pay the oh, extra the carbon. ten bucks yeah, for the yeah. carbon. Carbon. Who's ever would, paid it? Hmm. There you go. I have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, fucking knew we would have. Cut that bit out. I haven't. But I haven't. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, if I'm honest and, you know, absolutely should be, then, yeah, I haven't. And, and mm. I'm a consumer. So, like, I just think expecting the consumer to drive this, it, 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 it's a falsehood. It, it, eggs are great exception. In general, it will never happen. And it shouldn't because- Well, it's an extra dollar. Look, at the end of the day, open markets are designed, for, you know, to operate the way they do for a reason. Price is what drives you in, in, in many things. So consumer tastes drive price. And I think it could be more mainstream, this issue, than you think about. I mean, like you saw in Joe Rogan mm. recently, like, a, you know, an author of the, the, the state of cobalt mining, the DRC, comes up there and shows videos of artisanal cobalt mining, the DRC, on the Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah. It, the kind of- Confluence of factors we spoke about is becoming more mainstream. Yes. And so do you take it on one by one, you know, metal by metal and, you know, cobalt would be absolutely the first place to start. But, or do you say, hey, industry, make some fucking noise. Get on the front foot. It's in your interests. And work with government around policy settings, right, around scrutiny of supply chains, providence and the like, and work collaboratively to find the mechanisms to make this happen. I don't have all the answers. I'm the first to admit it. I hope I was clear on that at the start. Mm. I don't have all the answers. This is complicated. It's not easy, but it's worth pursuing. Um, and if we don't, then don't expect things to change with regards to, you know, dependency upon China. If we think that China is the biggest geostrategic threat to um, Western interests going forward. And I think there is general agreement on that amongst uh, the, you know, the West. Then this is an incredibly pertinent issue. The US are clear on that. And as such, we've got to address it. And so I think there's will now from government. And, and industry, I, you know, it just blows my mind that the mining companies aren't like, fuck, what an opportunity. Let's get busy here. You know, they should be absolutely leading the charge, working with government, putting in place um, protection and scrutiny of these sorts of things, such that the consumer doesn't have to make a choice. It doesn't get to you 
with filthy, you know, child labor cobalt in it. That doesn't happen, right? By the time it's on the shelf, that scrutiny has been applied and that product is, is, is vetted and, and clean. So that's, that, in my mind, that's where it, it needs to happen. It's incredibly complicated, incredibly mm. challenging, but it needs to be done. And, you know, there's lots of economic benefit to, um, to particularly places like Western Australia. You know, if you, you know, for how, like, forever, for my entire life anyway, Everyone on the eastern seaboard has always sort of thrown stones and said, you dumb fucks, you guys just dig holes. Yeah, you don't even process the shit you dig out of it. You just dig a hole and then ship it off. <laughs> We're pretty good at it though. <laughs> They're very fucking good at it and I'm incredibly proud of it. And so, yeah, it's always sort of bugged me that they said that. But, the, but there's an element of truth to it. And, you know, BHP and Rio and you know, there's been the hot briquette plant and there's numerous failures, you know, attempts and failures at downstream. There's an enormous economic opportunity here for us in Western Australia, and everyone talks about downstream and they talk about it in lithium, but no one actually sits there and goes, "We are three times the capex." That is so uncompetitive. Like, the fuck are we doing about that? Well, so, you know, scrutiny of end products and providence of materials that go into them—that's where you start. If you get that right, then you set the environment for which downstream in jurisdictions like Western Australia can happen it has a flow-on effect and eventually it ends up with a higher price. Having said all of that, there needs to be a really open and honest conversation with the public about this as well. This is all highly inflationary. Make no mistake. Inflation Reduction Act. It's the most ironically <laughs> named policy of all fucking time. It should be the highly inflationary act um, because it is. Or the Anti-China Act. That would be somewhat more, more, accurate. more accurate. Let's use the lift. Um, processing as an example. If you go there and you say, okay, three times the capex, um, whatever multiple the opex is, that translates to just higher cost product. So you have to pay more for that in order to incentivize it. And that in by, by its nature, that is inflationary. So let's say let's say you can get a, a, a an item of whatever, like a, a or a unit of whatever commodity out of China. For five thousand bucks a ton, let's say the equivalent unit, fully, uh, you know, from from raw material through the downstream, fully processed, you know, mined and processed in, in the in the West to a high standard. Let's say that's ten thousand bucks a ton. That's that's by by its nature, inflation, and the it's important to have this conversation because this process isn't going to just happen, you know, one and done. Oh, well, we fix that. This is going to take fucking ages. Like this is going to be around for a hugely long period of time. And if you think about 3x the capex on a lith plant today in the West before you've even decarbed it. So mm. if you go to the next step, which is to say, hey, all this stuff needs to be decarbed as well, then add another cost to that. I and, mean, but that some of the, de that. the decarbing of it would, that's, It'll be lower OPEX once it's happening because a lot of the decarb stuff removes the need for purchasing diesel. Well, you know, chuck a heap of solar, solar panels <clears> and wind turbines yeah, up. Yeah. Like it is the capital, but yeah, I think you'd make it, you make it back in the long term. Yeah, for sure. Not using the diesel. But, yeah. but what, okay, so what is, okay, so say if, say if, there's, say if the nickel price bifurcates, there's mm -hmm. a, which sort of is at the moment, isn't it in a way? 
to be clear, um, you're not just asking for bifurcation. It's not like it's good and bad. There's like a spectrum, right? Yeah. It's it's like it's like dispersion in some ways because there's so many different input components. So you'd have to Yeah. Have- <clears throat> you're gonna have to agree some standards across yeah. jurisdictions. Yeah. Ideally. Well, perhaps it's some- like one good and then a spectrum of bad, yeah. but one I mean, that I, makes I, the grade. Maybe you look yeah. at something like I mean, I fucking hate accounting and a Hi to my accountant. Good bloke, Johnny Palermo, <laughs> shout out. Tax returns, Jim. Very good operator. <laughs> um, no shade on the accounting industry. I just don't like accounting. And, um, and, but if you look at like um, GAP or, or GAAP, I think it is, you know, there are, there are global standards that you can apply. So why the fuck can't we do that in mining? Uh, but how, how's that going to, how's it going to look? Like, I mean, more, where does the money, the extra money come in? So, say, so, the the good nickels priced up here, the shit nickels down here. This is the the extra price. Who's gonna in like I know you said there's you don't have the answers, but plot a potential scenario of where in that supply chain, where does that bit of money get put in and who puts it in? Well so so a manufacturer that um produces an end product would have to, you know, in order let's say in order to bring that end product into the EU, they would have to provide documentation to the EU that that um, details the raw materials that went into producing that product, and and that uh, they you know met certain standards. So if you if you standardise that, then you can say you know this is murren murren nickel, and it and bang tick it meets the yep. the standard. So. It can definitely be done. It's a clusterfuck. Like, it's not easy. Like, you know, the easier option is just do nothing. I don't debate that. But, but who, I, I think who's it has paying to the extra price? Who's the consumer. You, you, consumer. You, so, so, so it does come to the consumer. It, and that's why it's inflationary. Yes, because yeah. it does yeah. get passed down the chain. And, and that's, a, you know, that's the honest answer. It will be inflationary. The point is, though, if it's done the right way, then the consumer won't see the dirty China product next to the expensive Western product, they'll just see the high spec product. And and hopefully what that does as well is then it drags jurisdictions like China to higher standards. And I think the nickel market's a great example. And if you look at, you know, the fuck at you know, incredible change in um in the supply side dynamic there and, and the, the material coming out of Indonesia. The easy, the cheap seats are there to sort of throw stones and say, oh, you know, high high carbon intensity, dirty Chinese can't trust them. Elements of truth to that, absolutely. But equally, these guys are aware of that. They're, they're changing, right? They're they're the new plants that they're building. They're very much conscious of this. So you're going to drag the Chinese standards mm. higher as mm. well, and that's what we all want. If we want a better planet, if the whole point of decarb and Environmental standards, and fuck, I would argue that there are, if I'm super open about it, I I, I think there are bigger issues on environmental um, degradation than decarb, but they're they're all important, including decarb. And oftentimes if you fix certain things, it flows into decarb. Anyway. China China can lift their standards so much cheaper than Western countries can. Correct, yeah, exactly. They're not real. I don't think they're pouring acid over mountains to leach. Rare earths like they used to these days. They could be. They're exactly right. They're more yeah. than capable. So let's if we if we lift our standards, they will come with it, and that's good for the planet. We we 
it's so frustrating being in a world where we have so much sort of virtue signaling and, you know, patting ourselves on the back for things whilst hmm. look, you know, just turning a completely blind eye to what goes on in jurisdictions like China. I mean, go, go, fuck, get out there. Go get in a plane, get in a car, go out there, see what the conditions are like. See the environmental externalities that we have collectively shunted over there. Yep. It's fucking, it's incredible. Yeah, the higher price leads to a social benefit. And we spoke about it last week with regard to, um, to the Chinese not wanting to take the higher arsenic level, Maddie. Yeah. And they just said, we're not taking it. They have lifted their game. That was a number of years ago. And if there is somewhere else well, what for they it to go. It from half a percent to 0.4%. I think yeah. acceptable. And like levels. we sort of say, yeah. you know, a percent better every day, you know, they're going to get better mm. and better and they stop taking it. And then you can either try and find somewhere else or you sort of lift your game. And the, the result is, you know, high price, but a better yeah. social outcome. So are we, Rusty, yeah. are we going to see like, you know, do you want to touch on the, go into depth what the IRA is in America or more look at. I reckon let's save that for another chat because yeah, that is hours a worth of chatting. Itself, yeah. but it, like, we'll it's get, Dingo, we'll get Dingo in for that. He's, yeah. he's, he's, he'll get the smart guys well, more, in more like, that Nero, not, not me. The IRA is that, you know, that reduce the government's essentially paying for that gap so consumers don't. Not government's Simply. not paying for it necessarily, no, but they'll enforce a differentiation on price by yeah. consumer. Yeah. It's a great yeah. point though. Yeah. You know, mm. government's paying for that gap. Yeah. That's a great point. That's what a subsidy is. Mm. So and but ultimately who is the government? It's yeah. fucking all of us. So but then are but, we gonna do you think we're gonna possibly see something like that in Australia? Because um, like we're like, you know, because you talk about governments subsidizing the capex builds because of the three time three x capex compared to doing it in third in China, but are they the only way they're going to sort of help us on the floor here is that sort of an IRA sort of things? Is that are we going to see something like that in Australia? We will qualify mm. for IRA um, uh, uh, policies and 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 I would likely say EU. Um, Measures as well, if and when they come, they will come. Yep. So, so yeah, when EU drops up, what the the geopolitics around this is heavy, right? Like this is these are these are some big lines being cut in the sand, and you know, um, yeah, you're going to be deemed a friendly jurisdiction or an unfriendly jurisdiction. Rusty, let's talk about the types of players that um seem to not really have jurisdiction and they're the commodity traders we mentioned at the front mm. of the show because their business model ultimately like they're super profitable entities yeah. we don't know much about them in they've, international waters international <laughs> yeah or swiss <laughs> um, and they've like create super fucking profits like a stupid number of billionaires have been have emerged as a result of these companies glencore Trafigura, and there are others yeah. Um, and their profitability is in some ways tied to the fact that you that commodities are homogenous and you can um you they can buy oil from the Taliban and sell it to the rest of the world, knowing that the rest of you know, like things like that. Those are the opportunities to the commodity traders as opposed to yeah. what we're talking about now is providence. These companies don't care about providence. That's an opportunity. Yeah. So middlemen by their nature make money in opacity. So when something is transparent, that doesn't work for them. 
because the buyer and the seller can see one another. So why the fuck is it going through the guy in the middle taking a clip? So, yeah, middlemen, by their nature, do not want transparency. So, yeah, when we, I think we did start the chat around vested interests and you know, there's no more vested interest than, than those guys. They, they have made a lot of money. I have no problem with anybody making a lot of money. That's great. That's how the capitalist system works. And, um, yeah, so no drama there. It's, it's just that they do it through um, opacity. They like dark spaces. They don't want the light shone there. And, and you know, I, I just think, you know, tech has done so many excellent things over the last 20 years around asset utilization, like latent asset utilization and, and transparency. And some fucking how the mining industry <laughs> has managed to once again be the laggard. So, yeah, it's staggering. When you think about the size of the, of the sector, like, you know, and, and, the, and how important it is when you talk about war and these sorts of things, you know, raw materials and raw material processing, fuck me, there's nothing more pertinent. So, you know, it's amazing sort of how, how, how I think we've, we've really collectively taken our eye on the, off the ball here. And, um, yeah, don't expect any support for these ideas from, <laughs> from <laughs> well, the metal traders. Maybe right? we finish off. What's something you want to see next week? Like, you know, there's, this sounds like a whole thing, but what's something that you, that you think that could be done right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to see government working. Like, like I, well, first of all, I'd like to see industry actually making some noise. So th- it has to be industry who stand up and say, hey, guys, we can do better. We want to do better. We want to lift standards. We want to keep doing better. It costs money. That's a fact. Let's, you know, this is important for a variety of reasons. Let's advocate for scrutiny of supply chains as an industry. Let's think about that, take that to government, and then bring government along for that journey. And I think government will be supportive and, and you know, to the, to the IRA and the US, they're, they're, they're leading that process over there. You know, it hasn't so taken you want to see BHP be more like Bellevue? Yes, I want to see Stevie Parsons running BHP. Uh, I vote one Stevie P. And, um, I love it. Yeah, so, well, I reckon, as I said, the part two, the follow-on will be a dedicated IRA chat and the implications on, you know, the nickel market and I'm not going, I'm talking out my arse here. I don't know much about it. Like, money might as well get and, dingo and, and, in. And why, why, why is everyone in this sector, right? Let, let's be brutally honest about it. We're all here to make a dollar. Like, everyone, yeah. you know, that's, that's all our, our jobs is to invest and make a return in money. So, like, how, how – this is a good thing. It's clearly – it should help profitability. How, how the fuck are we going to make a dollar as investors? Where are the opportunities? Where are jurisdictions where um, these things can be achieved? Because not every jurisdiction can – can do this so i'd love to explore that you know place like finland i think they have the holy trinity of the rocks the processing and the decarbed power at mm. the grid so yeah and I'd the love equipment to. That's what I, yeah. <laughs> god it's going to be tough to do a title and description for this one because she's pretty fucking we'll broad, get there mate it? don't worry yeah you know you get to the end you're like right i've got to really i don't know what we've talked about <laughs> but i know it was good i don't know like <laughs> supply spaghetti like supply I spaghetti uh, yeah. yeah yeah there's something in there <laughs> yes yeah. so I, I i i really appreciate you guys hearing me out on it 
Apologies that Consider I don't have more clarity. Consider us your therapist, Rusty. Like, yeah, <laughs> just mate, like at the end of the week, just come have a bit of a wind down, get all your issues off your chest, and the money miners benefit from your woes. Next week we'll talk about your childhood. Yeah, hopefully it's not boring, and, and hopefully, like I said, we can all explore the issue, um, and then and then let's try and find a way to invest and make a buck out of it. Mm. Well, um, we'll be bloody stoked if we, yeah, all the mining companies that we're investors in can start selling their product at high prices, mate. So we're here for the, um, alongside you as part of that fight and that journey. So appreciate you sharing these ideas with us. Good on you, Rust Day. Thanks, but boys. Think, let's thank the sponsors because, like, they'll tune out if we skip to the bit. And the, <laughs> the sponsors won't get the benefit. <laughs> all right, Thanks, let's go, buddy. Mate. Who would you rate out of our five sponsors that's potentially the highest ESG rated? Smack, smack, make it smack. Yeah, renewables. Yeah, yeah. I mean, K drill, RC rigs. Geez, I reckon they're a, you're like, not looking good there. JP boys. Search would be ESG friendly. They don't do much work. Yeah, they got yeah. solar panels on top of the computers. Terra awfully. Uh, Terra invest in ESG related yes, companies. It's true, potentially, and um, anytime exploration. K drill. Well, they're down with K drill already. Yeah. Yeah. Wicked. Unless they got, yeah. Anyway. While well, we're talking about sponsors, should we, uh, plug, should we plug your father-in-law store again, mate? We should. Trowbridge Gallery. Come check it out. I mean, you can see behind us. Bloody beautiful. Maps, pictures, the whole works here. There's a geological map of Australia in the background here, and um, none of us are geologists, so I don't know what I'm, we're looking at there. It's just <laughs> cartoons to me, but they're pretty awesome. Prints. The money might well, get value just, out of that. Just put it out, because <laughs> everyone knows what I'm like. I'm not taking any commission after this. Just let me know. <laughs> it's a pure free arrangement. <laughs> At this stage. Hootero. Hootero. There you go, Trav. Now you can give a bit away about the episode because uh, it has happened. Mate, what did you reckon? Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Let's watch it on repeat. Yeah. Do you, do you listen to your own shit? Depends. I Yeah, I used to when we first kicked things off a lot to try and figure out how to do things better, but I, um, I figure it now I just – like to try and listen to other podcasts to learn from what I'm not doing rather than what I am doing. Yeah, yeah. I know, but I um I, I notice I either start thinking about something else or start thinking about the next question and don't fully take in sometimes what the guests or you and JD are saying. <laughs> so when I listen back, I learn shitloads. <laughs> I have to like, yeah, I'm like, beauty, yeah. So I'm not as much a bit more of a dumbass. You take it in better the second time. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, t- I actually take it in the second time. Like, <laughs> nah, beauty. Rusty's comfortable now. We'll get him on because he's a fan. He would be up there with a fan favourite. Yeah, yeah absolutely. For the money miners. Right, GC. good stuff. Cheers to uh, JD's father-in-law for hocking all his stuff on camera. It's, uh, Love it. He's a uh, Trowbridge Gallery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wicked. We don't get commission. No. Um, thanks to all the partners as always. Who would we um, – Top of the show. Who would you? So smack JP Search, K Drill. <laughs> I was thinking, I was thinking of someone pertinent to the discussion, Terror. but yeah, who do we have at the top of the show? K Drill, yeah. RC Drill and Experts, Smack Power and Technology, <laughs> Electrical Gurus, JP Search, Financial Recruitment Gurus, Terra Capital, Natural Resource Fund Investing Gurus, and Anytime Exploration Gurus with fucking anything exploration. <laughs> Anywhere, anytime, any altitude, any depth. It's all go. Righto. Cheers, money miners. Hedero. Rusty's comfortable now. We'll get him on because he's a fan. He would be up there with a fan favourite. Yeah. yeah absolutely. For the money miners. Right. GC. Good stuff. Cheers to uh, JD's father in law for hocking all his stuff on camera. It's uh, Love it. his uh, Trowbridge Gallery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
wicked. We don't get commission. No. Um, thanks to all the partners, as always. Who would we um, top of the show? Who would you? So smack JP Search, Gabriel. <laughs> I was, thinking, I was thinking of someone pertinent to the discussion, Tara. but yeah. Who do we have at the top of the show? K-Drill, yeah. RC Drilling Experts, Smack Power and Technology, Electrical Gurus, JP Search, Financial Recruitment Gurus, Terra Capital, Natural Resource Fund Investing Gurus, and Anytime Exploration, Gurus with fucking anything exploration. Anywhere, anytime, any altitude, any depth. It's all go. Righto, cheers, money miners. Edero. The information contained in this episode of Money of Mine is of general nature only and does not take into account the objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular person. Before making any investment decision, you should consult with your financial advisor and consider how appropriate the advice is to your objectives, financial situation, and needs.